Welcome to the Leadership Network Podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for His church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation, and here's today's episode. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Leadership Network podcast. Today, we're talking Church Next, your host here, Dave Rhodes and Shane Stacy. And today, Shane, we have a little bit of the uh, really inevitable or unenviable task of being both <laughs> right. hosts and guests because Leadership Network crowd doesn't really know us. We're kind of new hosts of the Church, Church Next channel. Um, and so normally we'll be inviting guests onto the podcast and interviewing them, talking about different parts of what's next for the church. But today we get a chance to be both guest and host, introduce ourselves a little bit to the crowd and really talk about what's going to frame up the next year of conversation for us. Mm. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to be a part of this conversation, isn't it, Dave? And I know we're going to feel a little, little schizophrenic, but I know we'll manage our way through it, no doubt. Well, like the title says, we're talking church next. And the big question is, what's next for your church? And so all year, we're going to be talking about that. And it's not going to be just something that is a conversation about what works. Really, what we're talking about is not exercise in pragmatism, but really an exercise of what does Jesus have next for us as we lead our church? And how do we follow him into that? Um, and how do we uh, start to I- integrate that into uh, the things that we do in a way that actually uh, envelops the way that our people live, work, and play in their neighborhoods, you know, in the nations, and really wherever they they they, they find themselves? Yeah, it's going to be. It's really is exciting, and, and today is going to be fun topic in the midst of this as we get into it because we're not just simply asking what's next for the church. Um, but first we're saying, let's name a key problem. Like it, it, we always say, if you can't name the problem, you know, what you're going to try to end up doing or what you're moving into is probably not going to be the right solution. And so for us to be able to say, really, after all the conversations you and I have had, Dave, with really hundreds of churches around the country over the last, you know, um, decades, but even in this last couple of years in particular, um, to say then that what we're going to talk about today is, is a challenge that it, most churches are facing. It's a challenge underneath, you know, we might say it's a problem underneath the problem in many ways. And so this is really going to be a foundational conversation for us as we start talking about what's next for the church. But before we jump into that, um, as you said, Dave, we, we've got to introduce ourselves a little bit. Who, who are these, these guys? And so, Dave, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what, what should we know about you and, and why? what's so important about this conversation even around Church Next for you? Yeah. So for the Leadership Network group, um, uh, working with Carrie Williams from Leadership Network, and she gave me the opportunity to come on to be the director of Church Next as part of what we do. Um, both you and I, Shane, are the co-founders of Clarity House which is really helping organizations, individual leaders, and ground-up networks and denominations find disciple-making clarity um, and really creating a disciple-making future that they can believe in. And then I'm also on the ground at the Grace Family of Churches here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm the strategic director for the Grace Family of Churches. Uh, and, And on the ground with 10 of our churches here, seven in the Atlanta area and three beyond the state of Georgia, that I'm really helping with the next step multiplication and movemental dynamics of helping us train together 
together and helping us take ground together and, and, and really become the movement that God's called us to be. So those are the three day jobs uh, that uh, all kind of come together, which means yeah. that yeah. I'm on the ground here in Atlanta, but I'm also really all over the country helping churches define their disciple making future and helping leaders step into that, particularly with their own personal clarity. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Well, a little about myself too, in the midst of that, Dave, I mean, we have the privilege of working together uh, in Clarity House, which has been a ton of fun. We've known each other for probably what, about 10 years now. Right. Um, I've had the privilege of serving uh, for a decade with um, the the National um, Evangelical Free Church um, with our national team uh, working with, started with uh, being the National Director of Reach Students and really working with Next Generation. It, it moved into um, really helping church teams, church leaders around the conversation of building and strengthening a, a disciple-making culture, um, have the privilege of as well pastoring in uh, churches out east in North Bergen County of New Jersey, just outside of New York City, all the way to Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, we were there 10 years as well. And then now um, more recently down here in Minneapolis in the Twin Cities area. I say just down, I say down. Yeah. When's the last time you've met anyone who spent any time in Fargo, North Dakota? You know, for, for probably most of our audience, never, but that's okay. Come on, come on. All my Fargonians out there, you need to uh, raz, raz Dave. Let's blow up his Twitter and everything else. Let him know you're out there, you're listening. There's plenty of good people, and God's doing wonderful things in the heartland. I blow up my Twitter. You mean one person make a comment because that, that is what that would be blowing it up. <laughs> oh, I see how it is. These are fighting words. These are fighting words. Love it. Love it. So I, Dave, I want to ask you this. What's, um, <clears throat> as we step into this conversation, why is it so near and dear to your heart? I mean, even as we think about the idea of church next, why is it so near and dear to your heart? Yeah. I mean, I think biblically what, what I see for us as leaders is that God is always calling us to remember the past, but he's never calling us to remember the past, to go back to the past or get stuck in the past. I mean, one of the big issues that I think we're facing today, again, post-pandemic is this idea of being stuck in nostalgia. Nostalgia is when you remember the past in order to try and go back to the past. And God never calls us to live in nostalgia, mm -hmm. but he always calls us to remember the past in order to journey with him into the future. So when we think about church next, it's how do we take our next step with God? How do we actually create Create a future with God um, that has been on his imagination since the beginning of time. And how do we, in our day and time, step into the dream that God has for ourselves personally, for our churches, for our organizations, for our networks? Um, and that means being a great student of the past, but it also means moving forward with God into the future and daring to create that future with him. So that, that's why I'm excited about the, the nature of the conversation that we're going to happen. I think it's the most important thing for us as leaders. And even when we get to defining the problem today, you know, I, I think we're going to see how oftentimes we get trapped in the past instead of actually leaning into the future. It's so good. I mean, that, that idea of um, we're not called um, to nostalgia, we're called to remember, um, and things. And I, you know, I, you know, I get excited about what we're leaning into for a couple different reasons. One of them is I just think of one of the, in, you know, in early influencers in my life, his name, um, uh, Doug Anderson, he's now a, a retired pastor, he's not retired from ministry, but retired pastor. And one of the things, and I got to work with him in both Fargo, North Dakota. Thank you very much, Dave and New Jersey. But one of the things, um, in both those places, very, very different context that I learned from and watched Doug do. He was a, he was a missionary, a businessman, and then became 
um, a pastor was he thought like a missionary and was constantly first asking the question, what is going on in our context and our culture uh, right now? And, and, and that was the leading place. And then the second posture of that, that coupled with it was God, what are you, you know, what are you doing? And what, what do you really want to do um, in the midst of this? And then there was just this constant bias to like, let's try things um, as we, we try to, what we're hearing from the Lord, what we're seeing as we actually do the context together. And so really just that has been since early days uh, in ministry, something I um, want to lean into. And I think, as you said, it's one of the you know, important conversations for us to lean into. The other reason I'm excited about this conversation is you and I have the privilege of um, meeting a lot of great leaders, thinkers, um, practitioners around the country who are constantly in their contacts asking these kind of questions. And I feel like what we're going to get to do for our listeners, we get to introduce our listeners over this next year to uh, a lot of our friends and um, great practitioners on the ground, which is going to be a ton of fun. And we'll talk a little bit about that. And I know at the end of the episode today um, as well, um, but let's, um, let's jump in. Let's jump into the topic today. Um, Dave, I know... <clears throat> You know, we 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 I, we talk about you know one of the big problems that many churches are facing, or the way that I've heard you talk about it a number of times, is around this problem of integration. And right. I, I know a lot of listeners out there, like, what's going to pop out of my mouth? You know, when I say, what's a problem that many churches are facing? Integration probably is is you know causing like what what in the world do we mean by that? But when you say that the church has an integration problem that sometimes is holding it back to be able to lean into this church next. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So probably if you were to ask them what the number one problem is, uh, they wouldn't say integration. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Normally That's right. Uh, in the, in the world that we live in today, you're probably going to get one answer to that for the most mm -hmm. part. And it's going to be around the idea of discipleship. Mm -hmm. um, and this really sense that, you know, we're running church, but are we truly making disciples? However, if you'd asked that question, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, maybe the common answer that you would get is uh, mission that, you know, we have a church, but, you know, does, does the mission have a church or does the church have a mission? And really, we'd say, you know, we're, we're housed up behind our walls and, you know, we need to get outside of our walls. But if you asked it 40 years ago, really, I think the answer that you would say the problem for the church is leadership. Um, and That's over the past several years, we kind of go around the idea of, is it a leadership problem? Is it a mission disciple, uh, mission problem, or is it a discipleship problem? Um, and I think what, what we're trying to say here, when we think about church next is actually it, it's, it's all three it, and it's the integration of all three. That is the problem that if you have a church that's big enough to have someone for mission, discipleship and leadership, they're usually on three different pages with three different paradigms about the way that church should work. Um, even if you're not big enough to have that kind of staff, you probably have some maybe disintegrated thinking in regard to leadership, discipleship and mission. You know that maybe your church isn't. Uh, isn't stepping into all that God has for it, but you come back and say, well, what's the problem? I'm preaching all the right things and we seem to be doing all right on the Sunday, you know, uh, service, but we're not actually producing the things that we want to. And, and what we're saying here in regard to integration is that, yes, we have a discipleship problem. It's emerging um, in, in regard to the way that we're talking about it in our churches today. But uh, as we think about discipleship, what we want to see with Jesus is that Jesus made disciples who become leaders that were sent out on mission. 
Today, we're often making converts that become volunteers that serve. One's a volunteer drain pipe. The other is a leadership pipeline. Um, now, nothing wrong with converts that become volunteers that serve. We're not saying that that's inaccurate. We're just saying that it's inadequate. And when we say that it's inadequate, we're saying that the finish line is too short. Yeah, we want people to be converted, but we really want them to be committed, want them to be devoted to Jesus as a disciple. Yes, we want people to volunteer, but we want them to think of themselves more than just a volunteer who's coming along and giving some some action to actually being a leader who's helping other people and and is sent on mission, not just someone who's, who's kind of serving. And so it's this integration in the organization of leadership, discipleship, and mission that I think is really important. And oftentimes when we go into churches, what we find is uh, if these things have been developed at all, they definitely haven't been integrated to the maximum capability that they possibly could. So, so I've got a couple of follow-ups for sure um, yeah. on that. Because one, one you're naming, and this is, this is helpful, I mean... Like I literally immediately want to ask, like, what's what's fostering? You know that, like, what as what fosters that kind of? Um, I love the way you said it, disintegration. And you named one of the things. So that was interesting. You went into the past and said, you know, there's some things outside a church, really in church culture, Christian culture, where we've got in different eras, um, we're we're emphasizing one of these. Uh, we're emphasizing leadership more and all the conferences and all the things and all the, you know, um, resources and things are emphasizing leadership or, or, or mission or, or discipleship over time that's shifting. And so that outside influence as people are diagnosing what the, you know, the, the current problem is, then we swing the pendulum, we overemphasize. So that's, that's one of the things that fosters that for sure. Um, what would you say are some of the things that inside the church that sometimes foster that that disintegration or keeping well, those things apart? Yeah. I mean, oftentimes, you know, we, we get ruled by the tyranny of the urgent. So we go to where the pressing problem is and we try and either find a silver bullet or we patchwork something together from something that we found from somewhere. Um, and because we live in a day and age where we have things like the internet, and so you can, you know, learn how to do anything on YouTube, so to speak, what ends up happening is you, is you start to make a patchwork quilt that has lots of different ideas from lots of different people, but you don't ever step back to take a, a, a look below the surface to say, are there competing ideas that we're taking, you know, yeah. things that are helping us solve mm. urgent problems from different places, but we haven't actually worked the congruence for how these ideas go together. And so all of a sudden we create, you know, competing frameworks in our church um, because we're just thinking about the problem that's in front of us. I think that's one of the things that is part of that. And then I think also the second piece is that as leaders, we have different bents and we tend to play to our strengths <laughs> rather yeah. than to embrace things that are in our weakness. So if we happen to be better at leadership than the discipleship uh, and mission, then we probably play more to the leadership conversation. If we happen to be better at discipleship than leadership and mission, we play to that part of the conversation. And so oftentimes, you know, our tendency is to diagnose the problem through our own strengths so that we can become the solution to it rather than to say, no, let's really take a step back. Where can I be part of the solution? Where might I need others to help me solve problems that I can on my own? Which is interesting. Like even the way that I can play in the church is who we think we need to hire next or who we hire next, maybe either comes in with that passion and suddenly 
um, begins stir, you know, in some ways in a positive way, stirs that up. But again, that now becomes the primary thing we think about. It's discipleship or it's primarily remission. And some of the things I hear you even describing there, even as the way that you're, you, you're talking about integration, Dave, um, I know we, we've, we've talked about this sometimes uh, in this way as well. And it's been a helpful metaphor for me because really in many ways we're talking about what, you know, is there an integrated operating system that sits underneath everything that's really, truly putting all these things that, you know, um, driving all these things together. And in, in many ways, like you can, you can think of, you know, the iPhone back when Steve Jobs created the iPhone, he didn't create apps. He actually started from the ground up in many ways, created a new operating system that then gave you uh, gave all of us the ability and our unique lives to choose the various apps that we would want to use. But so many times in the church, discipleship is one of the apps and leadership is a different app and mission is a different app. Or like you said, we're, we're pulling from all these different kind of resources or influences from, from other places and just trying to patchwork them together. But really, when you're talking about the integration, that underneath the surface, these are all working together in a in a unified way in a holistic way for the church sometimes to be able to move in the future sometimes they're not just different apps they're actually built on different operating systems and that's yeah. where things get really hard because you're trying to tie things together but actually um one of those operating systems is going to win out at the end of the day um and unfortunately you start to use language that ends up getting eaten up with it and then you need to you you, you know you, you lose even some great language and some good solves because you just didn't take time to go back and and build the operating system together and and you know shane in our work you know that's not something you can do by yourself as a pastor right. or leader we always talk about this idea it's not hard for a pastor to have vision it's not even hard for a pastor to solve problems what is hard is to have shared vision and to have shared problem solving um, mechanisms so that we continue to build out together versus simply you know it being a one-man show that everyone else is just a kind of um glorified you know servant behind the scenes helping make happen but no how do we create shared leadership shared vision shared operating systems so that everyone gets a chance to continue to solve problems and uh, as we build the culture out we're doing it in a way that furthers um the reach of what we do without creating you know a competing operating system in the water yeah so many times when we walk in you know and we're working with the team in those first couple conversations with team, it it becomes really prevalent, doesn't it? That there's there's multiple philosophies of ministries, multiple operating systems going on here, and then part of that you know work that that we have the chance to do uh, oftentimes is first let's get onto the truly onto the same page uh, together. Yeah. Dave, what are what are what do you think are <clears throat> when we say this happens, but like what are some of the no one's trying. I mean, there's no one listening to this that's going, yeah, I want to keep discipleship away from mission and mission away from leadership. I mean, right. no one's, but what do you think are some of the unintended consequences that surface when um, we overemphasize one uh, separate from from the other? So like if, if we were to say, hey, leadership's going to stand up above and be more prominent and more important than maybe discipleship or mission, like what, like what are the unintended, unintended consequences of that? Yeah, I think I think what happens when you raise up leadership over discipleship and mission is that you end up with an elite few who can do things mm. and everyone else is really around them to help them do what it is that they do. 
Um, and that means a couple things. One, it means oftentimes spiritual formation is being neglected in the culture, but also development is being neglected in the culture, usually because of the pressure to deliver. So there's a the pressure to deliver, which you know elevates a, 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 a few that can do that and do that in an excellent basis. Everyone else feels like they can't do that. Um, and so what ends up happening is you have a few people who can really do the stuff. Everyone else kind of helps them do the stuff. They 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 measure things just simply on organizational dynamics alone. And they play to a, you know, not just come and see crowd, but, you know, what best you could do is bring someone else here. So it never really breaches mission, which gets beyond the walls mission becomes bring someone into this and mm. we'll run this in a way that will attract them. And so that's mm. what happens when leadership is kind of elevated beyond discipleship and mission. Excellence oftentimes becomes an idol in the culture and uh, everyone would love to be able to do it, but few people feel like they can do it. And so therefore, you know, everything's left in the hands of a couple of leaders and we get a thousand volunteers that help one leader kind of pull the show off of. I mean, that, that's it. So we have a, we have a, you have oftentimes then a, a few who are really able to do the work. And I mean, you're, you're naming there what it ends up doing. Cause we would say volunteerism is really important in the church right. um, and things you're going, what it leaves us with is simply volunteerism. What, I mean, if you were to shift, like if you were to shift that for a minute, so you, you just put leadership over discipleship yeah. and mission. And if you were to shift that for a minute and, and put, you know, let's say put mission over leadership and discipleship. Um, I mean, we, Dave, we're in, we're in a time right now. It's like uh, the <clears throat> church has folded in on itself. Uh, the culture has shifted. We need mission more than ever. Right. What, what happens when mission yeah. leads so when out? Mission, when mission is the thing behind. that, yeah, yeah, when mission is the thing that's elevated and there's no discipleship and leadership, you send everyone out and you, you authorize everybody, but you don't prepare anybody. <laughs> and yeah. so people go out for mission um, and they usually run into all kinds of resistance along the way, or they fail many times along the way. And so either one, one or two things happens, either they, they give up on their faith. Um, or they succeed, but don't know how they succeeded and why they succeeded. Um, or they come back with their faith that is kind of survived, but they come back and say, well, never doing that again. Um, and so what ends up happening is that, yes, you've authorized everyone and you're sending everyone, but you don't have a strategic process that you're leading people through that actually prepares them so that they can actually deliver on the things that they've been sent out to deliver on. Yeah. That, I mean, it, it results in a lot of times, a lot of either burn ups or blow ups or, you know, blow ups or burnouts, um, as I often say. And, um, and two, there's no, I mean, that discipleship piece, if, if the, if gospel isn't continually being integrated into, into a person's life, um, that it, it, that's what it becomes the enduring power and ongoing motivation for mission. But once that gets, um, kind of left behind, um, on that, you, you often see people, um, the mission fade out and things. Okay. Do let, so we did too. I, we might as well go ahead and do the right. third one, yeah. um, and things. If, um, because right now it seems like we're in a season. I mean, you were talking earlier about what happens over, you know, the last couple of decades and we see this different emphasis. It seems like we're in an emphasis of discipleship right now. And that really, I mean, creates an either one, an incredible opportunity, or it's going to put us back on this kind of ministry merry-go-round again, um, and things. And so while we lean in with great hope, 
um, around the the fresh conversations around discipleship. What what would you say are unintended consequences if it stands up above over leadership and mission? Yeah. So what what ends up happening is that you end up uh, with discipleship that usually is equated much more with spiritual formation than it is spiritual reproduction. So it's always about me growing, growing, growing in my faith, but never in me multiplying my faith to others because I never really hit that leadership uh, place. There's always more things that I need to be prepared in. And so it's this ongoing hamster wheel of preparation with no outlet or multiplication. And so, you know, I keep growing, but I never help anyone else grow. I never pass anything else on. And oftentimes what ends up happening is we end up inadvertently creating codependent relationships um, where people always have more to learn, but never any opportunity to lead or be sent out in a way that they can infect anybody else. And so it just becomes an internalized behind the walls, codependent relationship that never um, makes a a big impact and never becomes movemental in the live that in the, in the places where people live, work and play. So those three, I mean, we've, we've done well here. I mean, naming the problem, naming the problem. And then one of the problems is um, no doubt the, the, these three things not being integrated, discipleship, leadership, and mission. Um, and I love early, earlier you grounded this even in what do we see in Jesus? And you and I have talked about this a lot. Like, um, I mean, I, I would say like in my own journey, what has helped this the most? And when people ask me like, what's your favorite book on disciple making, you know, or whatever. And it sounds like I'm going to Jesus juke, um, when I say yeah. this, yeah. but it, it really is. Like, I think what shaped me literally from 17 years old a uh, youth pastor, Rudy Sheptak, um, who started us reading through the, the Gospels chronologically um, and then asking a different question is, how did Jesus make um, disciples? And then how did Jesus send out um, disciples? And what do we see through the life of Christ on that? And you, you, you tapped on that a little bit earlier that this is... Yeah. This isn't just something new that this integration problem, but this is something that we actually can go all the way back. Jesus faced it in his day as well. Anything else that you want to tap in on that or just ground that in the in the in the reality of that? This is what yeah, we see Jesus I, actually doing. I, mean, I, I, I love that you brought that up, Shane, because, you know, most of my life I was taught to read the Bible for what and why, but not how. Yeah. And once I started reading the Bible for how. Um, I started to realize God has a lot more to say. I mean, the idea was you read it for what and why, and I'm an American. I know how to do how, right? <laughs> but right. Jesus's ways are so different. Um, the way Dallas Wheeler would talk about that is we know the words of Jesus. Maybe we know the works of Jesus, but do we know the ways of Jesus? And I remember several years ago, just my attention being brought to the ways of Jesus and learning to read the Bible for how, not just what and why. And there's so many patterns that you pick up on. And so if I were to go back to Jesus, especially, you know, Mark chapter three, um, is is where you see the beginning of some of this integration. He's had a ministry of the crowds, but now the Pharisees are trying to, you know, detour his ministry. They're trying to kill him. Jesus makes a move in Mark chapter three, verses 13 through 19, where he calls the disciples to him to spend time with them. He renames them, so to speak, and then he sends them out. Uh, he's going to send them out to, to cast out demons and to preach the good news for the to the poor. And you see this integration move for Jesus. And, and here's what I think it looks like throughout the Gospels. Jesus always calls disciples, but he sees leaders and he mm. sends missionaries. Mm. So he calls disciples. He calls them for who they are to him. He sees them 
as they are, but he also sees who they could be, who they should be. So he calls disciples, but he sees beyond what they are to what they could be and what they should be. He sees leadership in them and his disciple making process doesn't just form them. It develops them so that they can become who he sees them to be and lead others. And then he sends them out as missionaries with the mm-hmm. same authority that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jesus calls disciples, but he mm-hmm. sees leaders and sends missionaries. Yeah. If we can get that pattern into our lives as uh, pastors and leaders, I think it'll change the way that we do ministry. And again, that that's not that that's not the default mechanism that I was kind of trained for pastoral ministry with. Yeah. But as we've read the gospels, you know, together and as we've continued to walk in the ways of Jesus, it is something that's been deeply convicting to me. It's been one of the biggest repentances of my ministry life yeah. because I was taught to be a performer. Mm not to be a leader. I was taught to preach and teach and draw the crowd. And, you know, I was doing it for all the right reasons. I just want to be a person of impact and influence. And, you know, I love my seminary training. It was great. I enjoyed it, but it didn't really tell me how to call disciples and see leaders and send missionaries. It taught me how to teach and preach. Um, and it, it is, it is interesting, Dave, right? Like, as you think about the integration of that, like if I was have a, if I was even challenged our listeners, like a summary place to go. Um, you just mentioned Mark three, obviously we've, you know, we'll say like read through just Luke and ask a different question. Luke's going to write a little more chronologically. I think one chapter is, you know, John 17, Jesus is lit, like summarizing his life and you can, you literally see, and at the end of it, um, uh, John 17, 20, when he says, um, 2021, 17, 21, I think it's 2021, where he says, um, I'm praying for them, not only that, um, for, for these, but for those who will come to believe through them. And it, it always makes me think what you're describing there as well is when I think about even my parenting, like I want, if I take this out of the church for a minute, I just take it to my parenting. Like I want my kids to know Jesus, but I want my kids more than just know Jesus and have, have a good life. Like and when I start saying, I want to see people come to know Christ through my kids it changes what I'm doing with them today, right? So when I start seeing beyond the generation standing right in front of you and with every person to your point, like seeing the leader that they become, the spiritual kingdom leader that they can become, it actually changes what I'm doing with them today, how I'm engaging, what I'm, you know, investing into them today, because I'm actually seeing that, that third generation. And it's, a, you're, I hear you saying a similar thing as pastors and leaders, as we look at anyone, in our, in our church, as we look at anyone in our neighborhood or whatever else that we see, not just them, but we actually see the impact through them that could be the potential that's there, that kingdom leader that's actually there, but yet is still not yet. <clears throat> yeah. I love the way, you know, Dave Ferguson talks about this, you know, we have to go from being the hero to being the hero maker. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we, we talked about that conversation. We've had great conversations with Dave on that. And, you know, it, it really is a journey for me as a pastor and leader. It was a journey of repentance because I had to realize I was trying to be the hero of our ministry and everyone else was helping me do it. Now, all of a sudden, how do I become a hero maker? How do I see the people as the hero? How do I empower them, call them as disciples, see them as leaders and send them out as missionaries to where they live, work and play? And that's the kind of thing that we're going to need um, in this next season of church if yeah. we're going to step into the God dream, so to speak, that that God has for us um, in this next season. 
Absolutely. Well, Dave, we've named we've named the problem, and we have an integration problem um, on that. And just, I mean, I know we're through this whole series, we're going to have an opportunity to continue to come back at that in in lots of different ways. And what are what are some of the truly church next opportunities um, with that? But if if just for listeners today, what suggestions suggestions would you have for a leader? Um, to just even diagnose or, or a team to diagnose, um, you know, what degree that might be a true of their, of their church or what their operating system right now and, and, or what steps to move to greater integration. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you know, this is what we do on a full-time basis and it's not something <laughs> sure. that you can do like in, in just kind of one moment, but, but yeah. you should just really ask yourself where, where has been the greatest influence on your own life in regard to discipleship mission and leader and leadership. Yeah. And yeah. Um, just really ask yourself the question, you know, for your own philosophy of ministry, have you taken a step back and just, you know, taken a look at how those things have been integrated and over the tenure of your pastorship, you know, as you've kind of chased whatever the hot thing is, um, how has that been both helpful, but also then where is that leaving things disconnected um, for people? Um, and really just taking a look back and say, OK, if right now the kind of prevailing ideas are in regard to discipleship, uh, when I think about discipleship, am I just simply thinking about that as, you know, getting people biblically literate? Or am I actually thinking about that and investing in the character and competencies of what a disciple looks like um, so that people can step into that and then, um, you know, help other people do the same and be sent out as missionaries? Um, and so I, I would just take 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 a, a, a quick step back and ask yourself, um, do do the programs of your church, the ministry of your church, um, are, are, are they developmental in that you are actually seeing more leaders, the quality, the, the standard, you know, of disciple making culture, I say the metal test of disciple making culture is the quality and quantity of leaders that it is creating. So if you're not creating leaders, your disciple making culture is not integrated into that sense of leader development. You may be helping people grow but you're not necessarily, you know, integrating leader development. If you're making leaders, but your church isn't expanding beyond the walls, if there's not more ministry happening in the community than there is in your church, then you may be neglecting a bit of mission. And so the whole point is that the Sunday morning service would be the smallest component of our church's impact and influence in the community, not the largest component of that. And that creates a totally different developmental uh, process, one that we invest, you know, you know, hours, in many churches hours. around the yeah. country, the things that we're going to be no. talking about here. And so yeah. I would just say, take a step back and just ask, are you really making disciples who become leaders that are sent out on mission? And where is the stop? Like, where is oh. the stop? Is it that you you send people out on mission that aren't prepared you know, is it that you uh, are invested in biblical literacy, but you're not actually creating reproducible systems that people can become leaders in? Or, you know, is it that you just are kind of doing the show and 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 trying to equip everyone else to bring people to it? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think um, one thing I might, you know, add to that or just even just, you know, even named, let's, you know, even just consider you know, read through the scriptures on your own, um, the gospels on your own on that with a different, you know, different kind of question, but, um, a, a tool that we use a lot of times, um, in that as well, um, that's helpful personally, 
like personally to think about that. If you think about the issue of, or the, the, the problem of, um, or need for the integration of discipleship leadership and mission, what we might call a, um, disciple making culture and clarity, um, to, to utilize just what uh, Tom Patterson's little tool for helpful lists and just in your own life, just ask what's working right now um, in that what's broken in that, in that, like in my own life, um, what's, what's maybe confused and, and what's, what's missing. And, um, and I'd say I, my challenge uh, to our listeners would be um, ask that first uh, of your, of your own life, then maybe ask it together as, as a team. And um, because we know that a, a disciple making culture flows from a disciple making way of life. And so some of the places of disintegration, actually, we find not just in the church organizationally, uh, we actually find it sometimes in our own current um, lives and experiences. The more that that comes into integration, the easier that becomes, uh, the more of us who are integrating that personally, the easier that is to become now have to bring that into the organizational side of things as well. So, well, Dave, I know I've got <clears throat> so much that we'd love to continue to unpack yeah. here for sure. And I know we've got um, limited time in this, this episode, but there's thankfully we've got a bunch coming up um, and things, anything that else you, you want to name around the, this, this part of the conversation today um, before maybe we give a little highlight to yeah. some of the things that might be coming in the future. Yeah, I think that's where I want to move is just to highlight, you know, that means on on, on this uh, church next portion of the Leadership Network podcast, we're going to talk about things like preaching and what's next for preaching or worship, what's next for where those are important components, you know, and yeah. oftentimes when people think about discipleship or mission, they start to neglect preaching and worship. And, and we want to make it very clear. We're for an integrated approach to these things. I want to preach in a way that uh, furthers disciple making culture in my context. I, I want context. I want us to worship in that way. So I don't want it. I don't, I don't want to create a competitive environment. I want to create a right. complementary. So we're going to talk about, you know, what's next for worship, what's next for preaching, but we're also going to talk about, you know, how, how do we get uh, the church beyond the walls? What does uh, discipleship look like in our places of business or in our neighborhoods? And how do we begin to release people with their kingdom dreams or a sense of moving from the tower to the square and, and really thinking about, you know, the expression of church in their neighborhood? We're going to talk about the way that spiritual renewal and discipleship and clarity of vision, you know, need to collide together and all three of those things working together in a culture. And we're going to have guests on that are experts in the field in all of these places. We're yeah, going to get a chance to interview them. And yeah. hopefully we're going to tie a thread together through this idea of leadership, discipleship, and mission so that uh, it, it, it becomes a kind of culture, not just random things that we're talking about, but you start to really see, you know, below the surface of the kind of culture that we believe it's necessary to create together. Yeah, it's gonna gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, another another one of the ones we're gonna look at as well is just even staffing, right? Um, right. Even the conversation of, of staffing for Church Next um, as we think about the future and, and that things as well. So it's gonna be really is gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be fun to introduce some of our friends to hopefully our, our new friends uh, who are are jumping on uh, the podcast here. So to all the listeners, um, one just want to say uh, again thanks for for jumping in with us today. Um, start the conversation uh, with your team or with, with someone else on your team around this idea of 
Um, what is the integration of discipleship, leadership, and mission look like currently, both in our lives and in our um, in our church culture today? Uh, stay tuned to these next uh, episodes that are going to be coming. Again, there, as Dave said, going to be a lot of great practitioners uh, in the midst of that. And um, two, if you want to interact with us any more on this, you can um, definitely connect at um, at uh, clarityhouse.us. Uh, reach out to us there, and I'm happy to uh, engage with you further on the topic as well. But Dave, as we wrap up kind of this first episode through um, where we're trying to be both host and guest uh, along right. the way, uh, for our listeners, would you would you just um, leave us with a, with a benediction or, or, or blessing uh, for those that are listening today uh, around this? Yeah. Thanks again for tuning in to the Leadership Network podcast. I want to thank Kerry Williams for giving us the opportunity to have these kinds of conversations. So I hope you'll continue to go back to Leadership Network um, as well and just check out all the resources they have across the the church. But let me just bless us uh, as we leave and sign off uh, for the podcast today. So uh, may you leave today uh, becoming who God has called you to be. May you create a culture that calls disciples, but sees leaders and sends them out as missionaries where they live, work, and play. May you dare to empower others for the good of the gospel, and may the gospel go forward in everything that you do. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, peace be with you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Network podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders. We look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions, contribute our wisdom, and pursue what is next. Visit leadnet.org for more resources, information about leader cohorts, and more. That is leadnet.org.